Well, good morning to each and every one of you today. You know, Psalm 118, 24, it says, This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. Many of us have a wrong interpretation of that verse. We think it's about the day, today, and which God has created, of course, and we can rejoice on this day. But in context, Psalm 118.24 is talking about the day that the Lord Jesus Christ has came to this earth and died for us. So you might want to read that again in that context. Our focus today is on Jesus. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. No man gets to the Father but through him. So we want to focus on Jesus. Beginning, the middle, and the end. It's all about Jesus. So let me pray and lead us in a word of prayer to, to the Lord. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you for this good day that you've given to us and remembering the day that Jesus came to die for us. We pray that your hand would be in this service from beginning, middle, to end. We pray that you'd receive all of the honor and all of the glory. It'd go up to you as a fragrant aroma, well-pleasing to you. And all of God's people said, Amen. Well, I always love being up here and preaching and sharing God's word. But I wanted to say, I'll begin with this. About a year ago, a friend of mine asked me to join him and a number of other church leaders. You see, his son was going off to college for uh, four years. He was looking for some people to speak into his life, give him some words of wisdom, some godly words of wisdom about how to navigate his life over the next four years. So I kind of was thinking about this over and over again, being a counselor, I share a lot of things with people about how to live life. And so what came to my mind instantly was what I share over and over and over again with my counselees. I share the importance of living a balanced life, a balanced life. I always look at life holistically. You know, I want you to picture like a three-legged stool. A three-legged stool has body, has mind, has spirit. You take away one of those legs and the stool tips over. We need to live balanced lives. Today, we'll be jumping off from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verses 1 to 8. Might want to turn there. The book of Ecclesiastes calls us to live a holistic, balanced life. I want you to listen to these words. You've heard them before. They even put these words into a song as well, as you remember. Here's what it says. There is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time 
for every event under heaven. There's a time to give birth and there is a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted. And yes, there is a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up. And yes, there is a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to shun embracing, a time to search and a time to give up as lost, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear apart and a time to sew together, a time to be silent and then there's a time to speak, there is a time to love and there is a time to hate, there's a time for war and there's a time for peace. You see, the entire world is based on this principle of balance. It's all about balance, balance, balance. In fact, the principle of nature is based on balance. You know, if the sun was too close than what it is now, we'd burn up. If it was too far away, we'd freeze. Everything has its balance. In nature, the ecologists study the ecosystems where the food chain and the checks and balances in nature take care of each other. In architecture, architecture there is balance. There's balance within structure. Engineers know that if a building isn't built right and stress isn't balanced, well, the building will collapse or a bridge will fall through. In your bodies, doctors say, when you get sick, there's an imbalance in your body. Health comes when your body is restored to balance. That is the red and the white corpuscles are balanced and your hormones are balanced all through your life. Everything we look at, it all focuses toward equilibrium, the principle of balance. So this morning, I, I want to ask you this question. Are you living a balanced life? And if not, what do you think you ought to do about that if you're not living a balanced life? Because we serve a God of order, not of confusion, 1 Corinthians 14, 33 says. Uh, God is a God of balance, God of order. He calls us to order. He calls us to peace. He calls us to balance, balance. God wants our personal lives to be balanced. Proverbs 28.2 says this. A man of understanding and knowledge maintains order. He has balance in his life. 1 Corinthians 14, 33 says, For God is not a God of disorder, but of balance. 
of order, of peace. God wants things to be in balance, orderly and peaceful. And of course, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, all through those verses, there's a time for everything. God wants us to live balanced lives. Now, I once heard Howard Hendricks. I don't know if you ever heard of him. He was a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. And he said that there's lots of people in life who are overexposed but underdeveloped. Overexposed. You know, in our lives, in the people that we meet, in our conduct, and being here today, we're overexposed. We say a lot of things. We do a lot of things. But folks, we are underdeveloped when it comes to our personal lives. So each and every one of you today will be overexposed. You'll be talking to people and telling them how great everything is. And we're worshiping today and everything is great. That's overexposed. When we meet with people all the time, they see us. People know us. We have contacts with people. Yes, we are overexposed, but we're underdeveloped when it comes to our personal lives, when it comes to balance. When it comes to balance, we're underdeveloped. In Proverbs 14, 8, it says, The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. You see, wise people think about where they are headed. They give thought to their ways. They consider where they are going. Fools deceive themselves. They're always lying to themselves. They have these perceptions of themselves that are not in reality. They build straw men for themselves. Proverbs 14, 15 says, A simple man believes anything, but a prudent man gives thought to his steps. So how do you get started in balancing your life? Well, I think you remember the story of the prodigal son, right? In Luke 15. You know, the prodigal son came from a, a well-to-do family, but, you know, he wanted to sow his oats. He wanted to go out into the world and see what it was all about. And he wanted to, what, eat, drink, and be merry? Drug, sex, and rock and roll was the thing for him. And there he is. He goes out. And he has his fun. And he does it all. And then one day he finds out, after he squandered it all, he finds himself eating with the pigs. Ah, now he comes to his senses. What is it, Dad, that you said? What is it, Dad, that you told me? Well, you know, I have come to my senses, Dad, and I want to come home. Friends, we've got to come to our senses. We've got to come to our senses when it comes to living life. And the first step in doing that is we need to take inventory. 
You need to take inventory. You need to stop. The world is moving so fast. We need to stop. Be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46, 10 says, Stop! Take inventory. Look at your life. Discipline yourself. This is your time. Your life is moving in the wrong direction. Things are happening to you. Stop! Don't go with the flow of life. Go with God the way He wants you to go. Where am I in balance? Where am I out of balance? Look at yourself. Evaluate yourself. Do a self-examination. Have a spiritual, mental, and emotional checkup. Evaluate your life. Begin with the spirit, by the way. I always had this wrong when I was younger. <laughs> I used to say body, mind, and spirit. I was into body. As the years went on, I began to realize it's about spirit. It's about mind. The body comes last. Let's get that straight. It's about the spirit. Well, Galatians 6, 16 says, But I say, walk by the spirit. You'll not carry out the desires of the flesh. I don't know, are you in the Word daily? Are you reading God's Word that's alive and active and sharper than a two-edged sword? We say, well, not even God's Word. Well, what are you into then? What words are in your head? What magazines do you read? What television programs do you watch? See, there's always something in your head. So do you want the truth? Do you want some sort of imaginary stuff? that's made up, that's false, that's fake in your head. Well, Jesus, before he died, he said, Sanctify them, Lord, in truth. Thy word is truth. So we'd like to have truth in our lives, right, on a daily basis. So I wonder if you're in the word. Now, it doesn't matter how long you're in the word. It doesn't matter how many verses you read. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't matter how fast you're moving, as long as you're moving in the right direction. So it could be five minutes, it could be ten minutes. It doesn't matter. Are you in the Word? And when you are in the Word, ask yourself these questions. When I read a verse, you ask yourself three questions. What does it say? What does it mean? And what am I supposed to do? You don't have that down. You haven't read the Word. That means absolutely nothing. All you did is spend time, wasted time, because you need to ask those three questions. What does it say? What does it mean? What am I supposed to do? You don't get to that place. You haven't read the Word. You just spent some time in vain. So, stay in the Word daily, five minutes, 30 minutes, and make sure you pray on a regular basis to God. So living out the Word is going to grow your faith. It's going to give you joy. It's going to give you victory. You know, my favorite verse, one of my favorite verses, beside John 3.16, is John 13.17. Jesus just got through washing the feet of his disciples, and he says, it's good! It's good that you know these things, but you're blessed when you do them. You see? The word comes alive when you do what it says, not just when you hear what it says, but when you do what it says. So the first thing you need is the Spirit, okay? The Spirit who lives inside of you. 
And the Word of God is going to direct your lives. You just think about this, okay? You make decisions all the time. You say, well, I don't need God. Well, who is your God then? I ask people all the time, well, I don't want to read the Bible. Okay, what Bible do you read? Because you're reading a Bible. You're reading the media. When you find out, when you want to find out, what is it that I need to do in these circumstances? Okay, where do you get your information from? Your friends? Are they always right? Your family? They let you down all the time? What? Books? Magazines? Things that you read? You want to put them up against the Bible that's been around for 4,000, 5,000 years? These books and the media, they come and they go and they're gone. Your friends come and go and they go on. The Word of God lives on forever. And it's true. So we all have a book. And you think by pushing the Bible aside? I ask you, what Bible do you have then? Is it working for you? How well? Most of the time, it doesn't work very well. Well, that's the first thing, the spirit. The next thing is the mind. And so in Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. That's a metamorphosis. You go from a caterpillar to a butterfly. I don't know. Some of you, do you like, do you like crawling on your belly? I don't know about you, but I like flying in the sky like a butterfly. So we can go from a caterpillar to a butterfly. It's up to you. Metamorphosis, that's what it means. A transformation in your life. So, don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed. See, your mind transforms you. The way you're thinking comes down to the way you feel, to the way you behave. It's all about the thinking process. Thinking. Always keep a perspective. You know, I always try to keep this perspective over and over again in my counseling ministry. And people wonder why. Why does God allow this? Why does this happen? Why does that happen? Well, it all goes back to the Garden of Eden and it goes back to sin. Because there's sin in the world. And again, I tell people this all the time. If you were in the plains of Africa, would you think it unusual for a lion to eat a gazelle? <laughs> you wouldn't think it's unusual because that's what lions do. They eat gazelles. And it's terrifying sometimes if you ever seen this on YouTube, how this goes about. So I ask you the question then, if we're all sinners, what do sinners do? They what? They sin. So I don't know about you, but I have a perspective. And I teach this in my counseling. Every single day, every single day, every single day, there is conflict. There's confrontation. And then we find a way to compromise, to pull it together. You might go out here today and somebody might cut you off on the road. There's a conflict. What will you do with that? Every day there's a conflict. Every day there's a confrontation. And then we try to pull it together and compromise so we can go on living. These things will not hold us back because we have a perspective. I don't know if you have that perspective or not, but every day I get out, I have that perspective. I'm looking for something because I know I live among sinners.
And if you live among sinners, you have to expect all of these things, but we have all the tools that we need to deal with all the conflicts and confrontations that come our way. Because God tells us, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. If God is for us, who can be against us? And we are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. We've got the power. We've got the truth. We've got the words. We've got everything we need to overcome the conflicts and the confrontations. But they will come. They will come. So the mind. Don't live life through your pain. Don't live life through your past either. Don't live life through your traditions and through your culture, but live it through the Word of God. So many people are living life through their past, past pain experiences that they've been through in our society today. Oh, so many people have come from broken families. They've been abused psychologically, physically, sexually. All kinds of things have happened to them. And so they view life like that. Person comes into my office, young woman. I'll never get married. You'll never get married. Why is that? Well, you just don't understand. I come from a very bad past. What does that have to do with you and God in the present? You know, there's a verse in James chapter 4 when the guy says, You know, hey, today I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And James says, Hey, you need to stop and say, if the Lord wills, you will do this and do that. So I said to the woman, you're basing your marriage in the future on your past because your past husband beat you? Your past husband let you down? Does that mean that God is going to bring you another person like that? Or you haven't learned from this? No, you don't base it on the past. You base it on God and His Word and truth. You see? It's a big difference. But people live in their past. They live in their pain. They live in their traditions. They live in their culture. They live in all of that, but they don't live in the Word of God. And so when you think, when you're thinking in your mind, you need to walk by faith and not by sight. Second Corinthians says. Now, in 2 Corinthians 5.9, here's what I live by. It says whether you live in this world or the world hereafter, your main goal in life is to please God. And we're spending all of our time, we're trying to please everybody. We're trying to please our past. We're trying to please our pain. We're trying to please our parents. We're trying to please our children. We're trying to please the people in the church. We're trying to please everybody. But where is God in all of this? We need to please God first. But people are saying, well, hey, I want to be happy. I want to be happy. I want to do the right things. Okay. It's not about happiness, friends. It is about holiness. And when you're holy, you'll be happy. You see, when you please God, all the rest of it will fall into place. It works like that. It's about pleasing God. It's about pleasing God. So that's what the mind is all about. Now we come to the body, and of course we all know this. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, you need to take care of it. Not only for spiritual reasons, but for your own healthy well-being. 
You're going to feel better. You're going to think better. You're going to look better. And as a rule, you relieve all of that stress, all of that anxiety, and you'll live a lot longer. The body. My wife and I have done this from the time that we got married. We decided body, mind, and spirit. Well, actually, when we first got married, the spirit was last. It was all about mind, and it was all about body. The spirit kind of lingered a little bit there. It took me seven years before we really got grasped with that when we got married. But we were all into exercise all the time. Even to this day, we exercise every other day. And we built that into our lives. And it makes a big difference. Because God has created us holistically, body, mind, and spirit. So, the next step is this. We talked about taking an inventory, right? You got to stop and take an inventory in your life and take a look at it. Where you are now, where you came from, and where you're going. The second step is write down a plan of action. Write down a plan of action. We plan every other area in our lives except our personal lives. Balance does not come by accident. Got to work at it. It's not automatic. You need to plan. You need to set goals. You need to say specifically what you're going to do. Specifically. Not vaguely, specifically. Writing out a plan means remember this principle. I share this principle all the time. It's such a simple principle. But you have no idea how many times people miss this principle. It's called the principle of beginning, middle, and ending. See, everything we do in life has a beginning, has a middle, has an ending. The beginning? Well, we thought about coming to church today, didn't we? Uh, what time, Ernie? 10 o'clock, the church starts, right? That's the beginning. Well, this is the middle. See, we're in the middle right now. Okay? We're doing the middle. Now, you all plan on camping out here tonight? No, I don't think so. Because we have an ending. At the end of that, there's a closure. See, we're going to go home. We're going to leave the building. That's closure. But 95% of the people who come in for counseling, maybe many of you, you have a beginning and a middle, but you don't have an ending. There is no closure there. So what happens when there's a beginning and a middle and no closure? What happens? Well, it causes anger. It causes stress. It causes anxiety. It causes depression. It causes hopelessness. And for some, well, the last step is hopelessness, but then it causes suicide. So every person that you've ever heard of who committed suicide has gone through the steps. They get to the beginning and the middle, but there is no closure. They don't know how to bring closure to their lives. And so for years, they live with this pressure of anger and anxiety and stress and shame and guilt and then it gets to hopelessness and when they say I've tried everything and none of this stuff has worked and now the suicide comes every person that I've ever heard of who committed suicide went through this cycle 
You don't have to go through the cycle. You don't have to go through the cycle. Understand, there is a beginning to life. There is a middle. There's an ending. Learn to bring closure. Learn to put a period at the end of the sentences or else you have run-on sentences. How do you function with run-on sentences? We can't. The sentences just keep running into each other. They don't make sense. There's got to be a period at the end of the sentence. You understand? We've got to learn how to do that. Many of us don't know how to do that. So we have the stress and anxiety and depression, hopelessness, and some contemplate suicide. It's really simple, though. You know, in Ephesians 4, 26, it says, Be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, lest you give the devil an opportunity. So you could put any word in there. It says anger, but you could put depression. You could put um, anxiety. You can put stress. Yeah, you can have all of those things in your life, but notice what it says. Be angry, but don't sin. You see, the anger becomes sin when you don't deal with it before the sun sets. Your stress, your anxiety, these are all feelings that God has given to you. He's alerting you that something is wrong. Deal with it. Deal with it before the sun sets as soon as possible. Or else the devil is going to take care of that for you. Because it says after that, lest you give the devil an opportunity. He's going to work in your life. He's going to bring up your past. He's going to bring up your pain. He's going to tell you what a failure you are. How guilty you are. How shameful you are. Because you haven't dealt with it. You haven't put a period at the end of the sentence. You've got run on sentences going on over and over again. Now, who can live like that? Who can live with a beginning and a middle but no ending? Who? Everything we do in life has a beginning, middle, and ending. Learn to live that way. Our third step, our last step, is to establish Christ at the center of your life. We begin with that, right? This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. What day? It's the day that Jesus Christ came to die for our sins and set us free from sin and the bondage of sin. That's the day it's talking about in Psalm 118.24. Not the day that God has created. We often say that. What a beautiful day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. That's not the context of Psalm 118.24. It's talking about the day that Jesus came to die for our sins. We want to focus on that today. Now listen to this. So I said, establish Jesus Christ at the center of your life. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, it talks about Jesus Christ. He is the image of the invisible God. Because we don't see God, Jesus came to this earth to explain God to us. Actually, Jesus is God in the flesh. So he not only explains God to us, he shows us what God is all about. And listen to what it says here in Colossians 1.15. It said he was the firstborn, Jesus was, over all creation. For by him, I don't think many people understand this, do you know that Jesus Christ created the world? Look up John chapter 1 verse 4, it'll tell you that there. Jesus Christ created the world. 
because he's God. So here's what it says. The firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on the earth, they're visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things, all things, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together, all things pull together. If your life is falling apart, it's because you don't have Jesus pulling it together. If your life is coming undone, it's because you don't have Jesus pulling it together. If you're living a life of anxiety and stress and all of the depression and hopelessness, it's because Jesus is not pulling it together. It's as simple as that. You got other things. You got other things. You got your friends. You got your drugs. You got your cutting. You got your sex. You got all kinds of other things, but Jesus is not the hub of the wheel. He's not holding your life together. Everything else you think. You think they are holding your life together, but they're not. That's why you're always in a constant state of agitation or stress or anxiety. If your life is falling apart, it's because Jesus is not at the center to hold all things together. So you need, you need to put him at the center and watch him pull it all together. Matthew, you know the verse, 633. Seek first God's kingdom and righteousness and all these things will be added. You know what your problem is? You're trying to add all of the things first and tag Jesus on at the end. The scripture doesn't say that. It says put Jesus Christ first and then all these things will be added. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Then these things will be added. You got it all wrong. And then we have here in Matthew 11:28. it says, come to me. All that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What do you try to find your rest in? You got those drugs, you got those friends, you got the world, you got television, you got the media. Where are you trying to find your rest? If it says here that you can only find rest in Jesus, then how are you going to find rest in anything else if it's only in Jesus? Do you understand? Am I getting into your brain? Because we said that we're thinking about a holistic way to live with body, mind, and spirit, and spirit, and mind, and body. Am I appealing to your mind here? Think about this for a second. Jesus said, Jesus said, come to me, all that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Well, if rest is found only in Jesus, how can you find rest in anything else? Your drugs are not going to help you. People are not going to help you. Family's not going to help you. Distractions are not going to help you. Only Jesus, because that's what it says, unless you're willing to call him a liar. Because it says, come to me. Jesus is talking. All that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So we need to come to Jesus for that rest. And lastly, uh, I want you to remember, there's always hope with Jesus. You know, people often come into my office, they're so hopeless. 
They think they have tried every single thing in the book, but they haven't. Sometimes I tell them over and over again, I say, you know, sometimes the good becomes the enemy of the best. Yeah, you've done a lot of good things, but you haven't done the best things. But I want to tell you something, that there is hope. They say, well, what's the hope, Pastor Jim? I say, well, the hope is in the, the verse, Romans 8, 28. Oh yeah, what does that say? It says that all things, can I emphasize that again? All things, all things, all things, all things, work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them who are called according to His purpose. All things, good things and bad things, work together for good. You know why? The next verse says, so that you can be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So I don't care what you've been through. I don't care how difficult it has been for you. God is always up to something. And he's always up to something good. So he says, all things, all things work together for good. All things work together if you surrender to them. So, nothing is wasted in God's kingdom. Let me just remind you of something. You remember way back 2,000 years ago, Jesus went to Gethsemane and he went to pray. And there he was in agony praying and he was sweating drops of blood because he knew what he would be going through on the cross and the beatings and taking on the sins of the world. Do you know what happened there? They looked at this and all of the disciples and the apostles and the people around, they were looking for a reigning Messiah to come to set them free from Roman oppression. But when they saw Jesus was being put to death, they saw that as a failure because they were looking for a reigning Messiah, not a suffering Messiah. So that day on Friday was the worst day of the world. Everybody looked at it as a failure. Today, we call it what? Good Friday. Good Friday. Good Friday. All things work together for good. You see, Jesus had to go to the cross to get to the resurrection. And sometimes we have to go through the cross to get the freedom. There's a time in our lives where we have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but it says, fear no evil, for God is with you. Be thinking about that. There is hope because all things work together for good. Bottom line is balance, friends. Jesus Christ wants to be the center of your life. You can start over. You can have a new beginning. You can have a clean slate with Jesus Christ. He can erase it all and you can begin fresh with Jesus in your life. See, life, life is a balance between what we can control and what we cannot control. We must learn to live between effort and surrender. We have to learn to live between effort and surrender. The effort is, what does God call you to do? The surrender is, I've done everything I could. I stop and I leave it in your hands. I say this over and over again. You have to get out of the boat to walk on the water. So the calling 
is, come Peter, walk on the water. The surrender is, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. I, I gotta surrender and walk on the water. See, it's twofold. There is surrender and there's effort. Effort and surrender. Effort and surrender. We must learn to live between effort and surrender what God is calling us to and what we must trust Him in His Word to do ourselves. So the Word of God can come alive, can be true in your life. And so it has to do with effort and it has to do with surrender. You want to know what surrender looks like? Well, it's in Romans. It calls us to surrender. I'll close with this. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. After he gets done for 11 chapters telling them all that they have in Jesus Christ, now Paul stops and he says, listen closely. Listen closely. He goes, therefore, therefore, because of all that you have in Christ, so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let your bodies be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but let God, listen, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, the way you feel, the way you act. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Yeah, God calls us to effort, but he calls us to Surrender, which is the most difficult thing for a human being to do because we have our free will and we have the flesh and we have things we want to do as opposed to what God wants to do in our lives. So effort and surrender and put Jesus right in the middle and live that balanced life that God calls us to live in the book of Ecclesiastes. Father in heaven, we just thank you so much for the death of Jesus who came to this earth to set us free from sin and the bondage of sin. And then he's given us all the tools we need to be able to live the life that he's called us to so none of us have an excuse. We pray, Father, that we can hold on to those verses that say, come to me all that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And seek first God's kingdom and righteousness, and all these things will be granted or added to us. And also in 2 Corinthians 5, 9, where it says, whether we live in this world or the world hereafter, our main goal in life is to please God. Not to be happy. It's to be holy. And when we're holy... We'll be happy. Amen.